Recorded live from the WAYOFM.org studios in the fabulous Better Building here in Rochester, New York. Welcome to Transformation Thursday. I'm Amy Stevens, fresh back from my holiday somewhere in England, and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Penny Banana, and my pronouns are she, her as well. In this podcast, we take a look at dramatic change in wait, our society. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Hmm? What? Penny Banana? <laughs> yeah. I decided to improvise a little bit because of our guest, Megan Mack. Most people know her as the producer of WXXI's Connections with Evan Dawson, but she also performs and teaches improvisation. Yeah, I know. I took her class, and that's why I invited her to be on today's podcast, Penny. Yes, and that's why I changed my name to Banana. Bananas are funny. You know when you have to explain the joke, that's not a good sign. Well, regardless of Penny's sense of humor, we're going to, yes, and into the traditional music swell and fade out. Let's talk about change, Amy. Okay, let me see. It looks like I've got three quarters, a nickel, a Canadian loonie, and a few British tenors from when I was in London, because I'm an international comedian. No, not that change. Change is in transformation. The topic of Transformation Thursday. Oh, yeah, that. Well, we're doing this podcast to highlight how much things change and how quickly they do it in society today. Everything changes, and change isn't good or bad. It just is. The more we realize that change is just the natural progression of things, the better off we'll be. Now, let's talk about change. Didn't we just do that? No, no, not the last one. The first one. The coins. Money. About how people can give us some of theirs so that we can continue talking about ours. Are you just trying to get people to go to our Patreon page to support this podcast so that we can continue our exploration of what it means to live in a rapidly changing world? Because although this is a labor of love, we do have expenses. And by going to TransformationThursday.com, they can help ensure that we can continue to be bringing this fun an insightful commentary on the world today, plus get exclusive patrons-only content. Um, if I say yes, can we get on to our next segment? Oh, God, I hope so. Okay, then. TransformationThursday.com. Also, can you break a 20 for me? Sure. I can get that to you in euros. Okay, now you're just showing off. Welcome back to Transformation Thursday. I'm Amy Stevens, and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Penny Banana, and you, you, you yeah, blew your line. You got yeah, your pen okay, on there. Yeah, Here we yep, go. Yep, Three. Yep. Do it, do it, do it, do it. All right. Start from the beginning. Three, two. Welcome back to Transformation Thursday. I'm Amy Stevens, and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Penny Banana. Yeah, and- yes, and I'm going to banana split you in the lip. <sighs> and my name is Penny Sterling, and my pronouns are she, her as well. Megan Mack joins us today to talk about improvisation. Yeah, Megan is an improviser, sketch comedy writer, and television and radio producer. She's a graduate of the Conservatory of the Writing Programs at the Second City Training Center in Toronto. That R.E. just threw me off. Megan performs with the sketch comedy troupe Thank You Kiss and with the long-form improv teams Two Fat Ladies and Monstrosity. She has coached Left for Dead, an improv team of performers age 50-plus Penny... You should be in there since 2011. (laughs) Yeah, you should too, you little whippersnapper. I'm not over 50 yet, you silly goose. I'm sorry. Let's stop talking to me. Start talking to Megan. Oh, maybe we should welcome 
And she's our first return guest to the podcast. Yes, she is. Congratulations. This time, and I'm going to say this because I know he won't mind, with that excess baggage called Evan Dawson. All right, welcome, <laughs> Megan Mack. Thank you very much for having me back. I am honored to be the first returning guest. This is very important and, and I, serious. And I really couldn't think of a better returning guest to have to the show. Could you, Penny? Um, well, can't. there was, no, 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 I didn't. No, made it awkward? Made it, yeah, made it awkward. No, I, I specialize in that. Yeah, that's right. You also spe- specialize in uh, improvisation. Actually, Megan specializes in improvisation. You've been doing it for quite some time. I have. You know, I haven't really thought about how long it's been, but I started taking improv classes at Second City in 2008, I think. Uh, I believe it, you. I, thanks. <laughs> I, I guess I can say anything and you'll believe anything I say. So yeah. I could say since I was two years old. But really, I think it was two, 2008, 2009. And it was out of uh, necessity, really. I wanted to take the writing classes at Second City. And they told me in order to take writing one, writing level one, you have to take improv A. So I come from the school of people that only saw bad improv growing up. And mm. I thought, I don't want to do that. It's never what? funny. What's bad improv? Oh, gee. <laughs> mm. I can tell you what bad improv is. I've worked with a lot of bad improv. Huh? <laughs> I've done a lot of bad improv. I think we all have. Yeah. yeah. I think it, yeah, it's, uh, I, I've always been a fan of the uh, G.K. Chesterton uh, saying, which is, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly <laughs> until you learn how to do it well. So that makes sense. I didn't know that Second City had a college of improv knowledge or mm. anything there. Yeah, there's a the training program, the general training program that you can, you, you pay your money, you show up, you take the class, it's awesome. And then there's a conservatory program that you need to audition into, which I did about a year later and, fil- and went through that program, which was probably the best experience of my theater career, if you want to call it that. I learned so much. I gained a lot of confidence. I had phenomenal, phenomenal teachers. I learned about the kind of teacher I wanted to be. So I give them a lot of credit for, for where I am now. When did you start teaching improv? When I came back. So when I graduated the conservatory, which was in 2011, and I, as you read in your intro, Amy, I started teaching Left for Dead, the group of improvisers ages 50 plus here in Rochester. Very funny team. A shout out to them. They're great. They perform at the Focus Theater, but they were looking for a new coach at the time, and I started working with them. They have just been a joy and a pleasure. They're now coached by Keith Gomez, who's very uh, talented in his own right. Yeah. You know, Keith. Met Keith a few times. Great guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. very funny too. Yeah. So, so you, you came back here to improvise. I came back here to work, to ah. earn money and improv was a hobby at the time and still is really. So did you tour it all with Second City or did you just take their classes and some of their training up there? Just took the classes. I am required to say I was in the training program. I was not part of the professional main stage cast ever. So it's sort of like, sort of like a Jedi thing where you're just a Padawan and then you never actually made it into the actual Order of the Jedi Knights. So I don't know anything about Star Wars. So it's again getting awkward. I, Wait, I you know don't know anything Princess about Leia. Star Wars. I don't. I know everybody's excited about well, Baby when, Yoda. When when, when people oh, are yeah. shouting out improv suggestions and they say Star Wars, what do you do? You yes and you make <laughs> the best of it. Yes and another topic, please. <laughs> no, That's how that one works. <laughs> you just you make you make very confident choices. So I could you could the suggestion could be Star Wars, and I could take it as I know that. Darth Vader was Luke's father. So maybe I do kind of a father-son scene. Maybe I take it in that direction. Wow. You don't or have to be an expert in everything. Leia did kiss Luke, and they're actually brother and sister, so that could get really weird really so you do quick. do an incest impro- scene. Ah, 
That's always fun. Amy just made it weird again. Yeah, yeah, so, well, actually, no, no, no. I, 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 I think incest is fine as long as it stays in the family. But let's get back oh, to Megan. I'm sorry. God. Anyhow, so, so you, so you came back here. You, so you, all along, you considered this to commuting. be a, yeah, commuting just to commuting, Toronto. Yeah. Once, wow. Once a week at first, and then three times a week when I got into the conservatory, and we had rehearsals toward the end for our professional show that we did, our graduation show. But I never thought it would be a career. I think when I was younger and very hopeful and a little starry-eyed, I thought, oh, maybe I'll end up in New York City someday. But I'm I'm not then competitive reality, enough to really pursue it in that way. Reality crushed you. It did. Competitive? Yeah. Is there like full contact improv? I mean, it means for, for auditioning for spots and things? Yeah. I, I like to work as a team. And I'm yeah. not good on my own. I'm not a good solo performer, and I'm I'm not confident enough to do some of the things that I would have have been required to do. So, so I'm very happy with where I am right now in so, terms of improv. No, and you do a fantastic job. But you just it's something I just thought of. So let's just say there is somebody out in our audience who's listening and said, you know what, I want to perform. I want to do improv. I want to go to Second City, either Chicago, Toronto, whatever it is. And what what would be a career path for somebody who's a competitive improviser? Well, I was given advice about improv in Second City from the writers who worked on Conan O'Brien when he was in New York at the time. So I interned there, and boy, do I have stories from that experience. That was in 2006, and I got pretty close to some of the writers who were wonderful people. And they said, if you want to write for television, if you want to be on stage, go to Second City, learn how to write for television, learn how to improvise. That's the best skill that you can have. So to anyone listening that really wants to pursue a career in comedy, whether it's stand-up, whether it's sketch, whether you, you, you're dreaming of being on SNL, having improv training is such a good tool to have in your tool belt because not, saying yes and just opens up your whole perspective in life. It's really done that for me, even though I'm not doing comedy professionally. So many parts of my life have changed because... I can turn on my improv brain, so to speak, and rely on that as a tool. But if you want to do it professionally, you can stand on stage and either with your team or on your own, if you have that improv training behind you, there's there's nothing you can't do. So you're saying then, I'm going to just think about this because I agree, the improv has turned on a different side of my brain since I've started taking your courses a couple of years ago. But so if, if you're an actual comedy writer, in Hollywood, in New York, working on a series, a movie, whatever it is, is there like writers doing their thing in like a closed room someplace, improving stuff, trying to work through hash out ideas? I mean, absolutely. Writers' rooms, people sit around a table and just throw out ideas and yes and each other. I know we keep using that term yes and so we can talk but about it. But it's huge. It's, yeah, yeah, well, it's really huge for, in, the, in yeah, improv. Sorry. No, go ahead. I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, so, I, so for our people who are listening who are not as familiar with improv as us two seasoned professionals, of course, could you explain what yes and is? Absolutely. Yes and is basically a acknowledging the reality that your partner has created. So if Amy, I'm going to use my scene from every class that I do. Amy. Okay. So if Amy and I, and I are doing a scene and I say, Amy, I'm so excited to go to your birthday party. And Amy responds with yes. And it sounds like this, Amy, I'm so excited to go to your birthday party. Yes. And I'm so excited. You brought the dragon. 
So we know we have a who, what, where. We know it's Amy's birthday party. We know, well, we'll find out where it's going to be, but we know it's in a place. And now there's a dragon. So Amy has said, yes, I acknowledge that you have said it's my birthday party and I'm bringing a dragon. She has given me a gift or an offer that I can now build on. So I can work off of that. If you say no in a scene, it really stops the scene dead in its tracks. And that sounds like this. Amy, I'm so excited to go to your birthday party. No, my birthday was last week. So that puts me in a weird spot. I have to justify why she said that. It puts me in my head, which is not where you want to be when you're doing an improv scene. You want to live in the moment. And that millisecond or two that you have to stop and think, the scene dies. The scene loses its steam. So you always want to say yes. Let's go back to the dragon. (laughs) I've had so many uh, people who will do that just for the the cheap, immediate Mm. laugh. Like you go there when you have a pen in your hand and you say, on guard. And you go, that's not a sword. That's a pen. Oh, you get a laugh. But then now what do you do? Exactly. So in class, when that happens, I just stop people and I say, say yes and. Yes and that instead. It comes with practice. And for the people that come to class and they think, I'm the funniest person in the room and I'm I'm like the class clown from my graduating class. That's great. I'm glad you have confidence, but you have to work together. And the whole idea of improv is to make your scene partner look good. That only makes you look good for half a second. And then your scene is really strange. So Yeah. yeah. And one of the things, you know, you talk about, you know, Going to improv doesn't necessarily always mean being funny. What? In- always? Always. <laughs> always. Yeah. That's right. what it's a new brand of pampers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Diapers uh, with needles. It right. doesn't <laughs> always mean. Always. Always. Can we stop talking about my accent and the way I pronounce words for a minute? Anyway. But you always say that. Exactly. So, but going to improv doesn't mean being funny all the time. Right. The funny will come. And one of the best scenes, at least in the couple of years that I've been going to your class, was a few, I think it was Spencer and Mike. And they ended up realizing that they dated the same person. But I just rem- I don't remember the whole scene, but I just remember how heartfelt it was mm-hmm. and and how it turned this serious emotional thing. And like by the end, I'm grabbing for the tissue. Oh, yeah. my gosh, this scene's amazing. So, I mean, improvisation doesn't always have to be funny, but I think we put our pressure on ourselves to put us in that funny spot when we walk into an improv situation. I think that's true. I, I know that I felt that way when I took my first improv class. I was terrified. But once everybody all started being silly together, doing warm-ups together, it's a great equalizer. And so when I teach, I always try to start with warm-ups that make everybody bond over feeling ridiculous. And we work our way towards those scenes that can be serious. And I always tell people the funny will come. Just trust your partner. And even if you're doing a very serious scene and things are very heartfelt, the, the moment that there's a line that can be considered funny, it brings the house down. Because if I'm looking at the waveforms, the, the audio lines on your screen right now, Penny. Oh, is that what those are called? <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's great to have a, have a professional with us these days. <laughs> so everything's at about the same level, right? We're all talking along the same volume. Mm-hmm. That's what a scene can be like when it's, it's pretty serious. Nothing crazy is happening. And then when the funny part happens, those lines get really big on the screen or the laughs get really big. It's so different. And that's how you create a dynamic scene. And all of that comes from is just being honest, just having an honest conversation, having your character be themselves. The thing that I always had problems with was movement while doing improv. How do you get past that, the the tendency to just stand in one place and say things to people? 
Yeah, talking head scenes. Yeah. Those can be tough. Well, we practice object work, which is a fancy way of saying miming. And uh, I know yep. Amy has a lot of experience with this. So if this were if this were a television show, I would say, let's practice our object work. And Penny's doing some it's, miming. It's a wall. She's it's a wall. in a box. I'm trapped in a box. It seems to be all over the place. It's a very spongy box, apparently, yeah. because my hands never stay in the same spot. It's a tough thing to get comfortable with, I think. And I just finished teaching a class of students at the University of Rochester as part of a course in the theater program. Yeah. Adjunct professor of improv. Congratulations. Yes, uh, bub, bub, bub. yes Professor you. Mack. <laughs> They call you that, or they call they, you adjunct Professor Mac. They they called me Professor Mac, and that just felt so strange. So I said, please call me Megan. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it took them a while to co get comfortable with using object work. And I think that's that's true of many people, myself included. But once you really think about how you hold scene, hold things in real life. So I often give the example of, I think about how I hold a shampoo bottle in the shower, right? Like, if you can see me, it's kind of round. I'm, it's a medium-sized bottle. When you get to doing this a lot, you think about how you hold everything. And a phone is a great example. If you hold a cell phone, it looks sort of like your hand's in a, a rectangular position, not like the Y sign, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the more you practice, the easier it gets. And when you do that in your scene work, it not only makes it more realistic for your audience. Yeah, Amy's doing a gun right now. So she's pointing her index finger forward and having her thumb up in the air. I don't know what that is. If you were to think about how you actually hold a gun, that would look very different. And there are many types of guns. But anyway, the more you practice that, the more realistic your scenes look. And then you, ha you can get past those talking head scenes. You can be sweeping a floor. You can be folding laundry. You can be cooking something. You can be driving a car. And it puts you and the audience in a situation where you feel more realistic. Yeah, it's a very important thing. By the way, it looked like you were using Pantene or Pantene. There. <laughs> yes, it is Pantene. Yeah. It's the two-in-one. Yes, one. and it's Pantene. It is. Yeah. I had a coupon. <laughs> I had a coupon for $2 off two bottles. Wow. So. Well, do you have the shampoo and the conditioner or do you have two shampoo and conditioners I, in I, one? I got two bottles of the shampoo plus conditioner, the two-in-one. I got so two bottles like of the two-in-one. Four and two, is that what it is? Sure. I'm Whatever. I'm from the media. Math is hard. <laughs> I'm really tempted to reach over and like smell you your hair. Smell yeah, hair? because well, remember that episode Tresemme of Seinfeld? Right now. <laughs> Does that smell like Pantene? <laughs> And someone, someone, came, someone got paid to come up with that name too. What are they call this? You know, it's like Pantene. What? Well, I'm wearing <laughs> pants, true. and my daughter's a teen, so Pantene. Pantene, yeah. brilliant, brilliant. Idea. brilliant. <laughs> Anyhow, so no, I'm, I'm wearing sorry. trousers. And trousers. <laughs> Trousers, yes, of course you are. Um, what are anyhow, I don't want to get it. We're 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 getting off topic here. Back to our English. Yes, back back to our back to back to our conversation with Megan Mac. Oh yes. Yeah, so how did? But so before Second City, did you have any improv experience? I mean, how how did you get to Second City? I had sketch experience from college. I just loved doing sketch comedy with my friends, and I was in a group there at Syracuse University. And I always, I grew up loving Gilda Radner and I thought, Ooh. I want to write for TV. So when I went and interned at Conan and they said, go to Second City. And I had always considered that because Gilda came from Second City. Yeah. And I thought, that's, that's what I want to go try to do. Yeah. And it was a tough first year because I would have to drive up. You spend three hours in the car. Did you ever get to the point though, where you just drove up to the border and said, Hey Bob, see ya. <laughs> yeah, actually. Yeah. <laughs> when I came home, the, the border patrol people on on our side, our side, on the American side, would say, hey, what'd you learn in class today? Tell me a joke. I'm like, it doesn't really work like that, but nice to see you, Matt. <laughs> that kind of a thing. Yeah, they were very fun. Mm -hmm. It was low-key, for me at least. All right, the first year, sorry. But the, Oh, yeah, that was tough because 
you know, you drive up for three hours by yourself. And at least at that time, my instructors were like, can't really use American politics in class because nobody else can really identify with that well enough. Um, so I was the only American. And then you spend three hours in the car driving home by yourself. And you, at least I, overanalyze everything I do. So I'd get home and I'd be obsessing over some choice that I made. And I'd email my teacher and say something like, Frank, I'm so sorry I made that choice. He'd be like, it doesn't matter. You're fine. <laughs> it's, it's disposable, which has a negative connotation, but it's so true. I mean, a scene happens in improv. It can go really well and that's awesome or really poorly, but it never happens again. And so I've tried to apply that to life, actually. Yeah, no, and that's, that's a really good thing. You know, life is choices or our choices. And, you know, we you can get paralyzed by the choices you make or just realize that you made a choice and just try to move forward. And, you know, and that's a lot of the mental battles I've been fighting with myself. But this is about Megan, not about me. So, but We can talk about you. No, oh, no, no. That'll be, I'm sorry. No, there'll be sorry, other episodes for that. Trust yeah, me. We, 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 yeah, we are, are, we are our own favorite subject. So yeah, that's right. don't worry about that. And we had you in tonight because you're our third favorite subject behind Penny and I, of course. Oh, so my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm crying a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're right so, up there. But sometimes, I mean, but you don't strike me as an extrovert, though. So, I am not. No, I'm not at all. And that's what a lot of people when you say, oh, I'm going to improv. Oh, I'm not. I, I'm not outgoing enough for that. I mean, how do you how do you fight that perception? It's tough for me. It's it's. I, I know the phrase sounds cheesy, but it's turning on my improv brain. And I use that when I host connections, when Evan's out and I have to fill in. That is very intimidating for me. It doesn't come naturally to sit in that chair and have a conversation for 52 minutes. But I rely on the improv principles. Like I try to make myself feel confident. I go in very prepared, at least most, most of the time. I do a lot of prep work for that. And then I just have to act like I'm in a, I'm playing a character. Today I'm playing Megan, the confident talk show host. That is not me in real life at all. And when I, I step on stage, it's the same thing. I'm going in and I'm playing characters. That's what I love about improv is I never have to be myself in a scene. I can play the angry aunt or the, the silly maid or whatever it is that I'm playing. Often I play a lot of old ladies. I really <laughs> like using my old lady voice. Hey, you darn kids, we, get the hell off my lawn. We all have our favorites. Uh, yeah. So a lot of it is just playing characters, but when I apply it to real life, it's finding the confidence from the improv tools that I have. But what would you say to me, though, if I just came up to you and said, no, I'm too shy, I can't do this? Well, I remember a time, Amy, when you emailed me. <laughs> is, is, is this a flashback? Uh, we're, we're, we're making a segue into the first bullet point. Ah, uh, yes, we are. And I didn't know that was on. The, I'm trying not to look at your notes because okay, I don't sorry, want to. Sorry, that's yeah. a good way for it. Okay, let me turn that computer back. But, but it's true. You emailed me once and said, I am coming to class yep. as myself for the first time, and I hope that's okay. I don't think I used that word. I mean, I think I said gender fluid. Was... Okay, I don't remember okay. exactly what you said, but yeah. but it was something along those lines. It was. Yeah, so just a little back on when Amy started transitioning, she also auditioned, also took the class. Is that how it happened? Or Yeah, so about, the oh gosh, three years ago? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, we've known each other for a while. One of the better people I've met through my transition, so... Three years ago, I decided I'm going to take an improv class. My ex-wife at the time said, you've never talked about this. Okay, go ahead. And so I did. <laughs> and 
Of all I, the things that were happening to you, the improv class is the thing that bothered her the most. <laughs> this was before I came out, a couple uh, months, a few months before oh, I came so out to her. So, so, she, so we're just softening her up at this point <laughs> for the new and improved human being that you are. Yeah, so that was 2017 at that point. So, oh my gosh, it's been so long. And so I hadn't come out, but I knew it was floating around in my mind at that point because January of 2017 was also the time I was thinking about pulling the car into the garage. So, and is that a, a metaphor for something? Yes, it is. Okay, we'll just leave that there. All right. Well, I've, I've, go back to episode one, and that'll <laughs> answer that question. Sure. <laughs> so, so I signed up for Megan's class. I go a few times as guy me, and then eventually I said, you know, I'm I've come out and I've started. I was at that time lab, still labeling it gender fluid, and I emailed Megan and I said, Megan. I'm gender fluid. I'd like to come as my female self. And she's like, you come however you want to come. And this is going to be a welcoming, supportive place for you. And by golly, it has been. And there's times, and I mentioned in the hallway walking in, this is where Lonnie comes in. Mm. I remember showing up one time after I'd come a couple times as Amy. And I came, but I had to come one day straight from work and I was still in guy mode. Is what we straight call from it. work in more than one way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no pun intended. Thank you. And so Lonnie's like, what are we calling you today? <laughs> and she's so sweet. And, you know, and Lonnie's come out to a couple of my um, stand-up gigs and has been, a, has been a great friend of mine at class and on Facebook. So, you know, it, it's been a great place to meet people as well. So, and very supportive, very welcoming environment and Yay, thank you for helping me with that. Oh, of course. I really think it's the art form. It attracts people that are open-minded and and just good people. It takes a lot to stand up on a stage with no script, with people you don't know a lot of the time, and with the idea of, well, we're going to be funny. And I think the people that come are very supportive, very happy for each other when things go well. That's the best part about class. We have people that that are very open about challenges that they've faced in their life when we're sitting in our little circle getting to know each other at the top of class. And they cheer for each other and they support each other. And and it's created a community of people that really care about each other. I love that about the art form. Interestingly enough, I also have a coming out improv story. Oh, I don't know this. Yeah, well, it's, it's well, when as I was transitioning, I was in an improv group called Polite Inc. Oh, yes. With Karen Craft. Yes. And so I, she was one of the first people that I told that I was transgender. And I was like, I want to perform. And same thing as you. I want to perform as me. And so we did a very special polite ink, uh, with, you know, like it was, we also do sketch comedy as well. And so I, um, I did a, uh, a riff based on my buying used boobs, which is something that actually happened. Oh, you <laughs> brought them to that show we did last yeah. summer. Yeah. yeah, I did. Well, the, the, the first time I, I put them on stage was actually, I did a, a, a comedy story about buying used boobs that, <laughs> and it's, I've actually reincorporated that into my, into my show, Spy in the House of Men. Which you haven't seen yet. A show, uh, a show, <laughs> okay. a show with balls, right? Yeah, the, yes, metaphorically speaking, the balls gotcha. are in the garage. Apparently, yep. Anyhow, so I told her about this, and she was completely supportive, and she told the troop. And then, uh, the as we did this, she came out beforehand, and very, it was so lovely that she said, "You know, there is a person in our on stage here who is transgender. Uh, this is not a man playing a woman. This is a woman, and she is funny." The fact that he, she is transgender is not funny, and it, and it was it was it just made me feel so warm and fuzzy 
And I was just very, very grateful for the experience of being able to do that. And it's, you're right, it is liberating. I, I do remember hearing that story. I don't know if it was you who told me or Karen who told me, but I wonder, and this is a question for both of you, when you're doing comedy, which you both do, do you find that you have to explain to people, here's what, you know, here's what it's, I don't want to say okay to laugh at, but this is who I am. And I don't want you to laugh at who I am, but I want you to laugh at, you know, the, the character that I'm playing or the joke that I'm telling, or do you have to, to be out front about that a lot of the time? Uh, you know, Penny does a show, t- um, telling the tale. Yeah. Telling the tale. Yes. And Malcolm Whitfield yeah. did a, and he's a local comic here in Rochester and you do some regional stuff. Fantastic, funny guy. Very, you know, Malcolm, you've had him on I the do. show. Oh yeah. yeah. He's great. But very he's handsome. Very funny. Yeah. Very, very handsome. Yes. He is. Yep. And so I hope he hears this. Um, anyway, so Malcolm was talking about this as, as a black comic, he needs to address that he's a black comic. And one of the things he said in telling the tale, and I'll paraphrase this, is like a lot of times after the show, people come up to him like, oh, I got a black friend and blah, blah, <laughs> you know. And, uh, yeah. But at the same time, but one of the points he says, like, you know, as a marginal, as a member of a marginalized community, when we're up doing stand-up, we have to address that at some level. And one of the ways, and I do it right out of the gate, is like, hey, I'm Amy Stevens, and if my voice doesn't give me away, I'm from Minnesota. <laughs> you know, or, or when I'm overseas, I did it last week in London. It was like, oh, I'm a lesbian, you know, because everybody's expecting for you to say transgender, especially with my voice, because I, I can't get it as super, I can't get the resonance on it that I want. So um, for me, I have to address it because I have to hit it and then move on. But I think then because I'm telling the joke about it, I give them the permission to laugh. The, the, the issue that when we've addressed this in another episode as well, the one with um, with Woody and Ralph. Right. And so one of the things we talk about in that is my issue with some other comics are, and we'll, I'm going to pick on Dave Chappelle again because I can and I will, um, trans to him being transgender is funny period and he's going to continue making jokes about that because wrong body wrong body blah 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 wrong brain wrong body that's just funny and that's where trouble happens right and and that's where i would like to see more especially from cisgender male comics you know start standing up for our community But, but for i view it as were the last punchline of people that they can punch down at mm-hmm. without yeah. really getting in trouble. Yeah, and it's and it's, it's not for me. Uh, my story with stand up comedy. I did stand up comedy uh, for a while in the in the early nineties, and in fact, I was voted the funniest man in Rochester in nineteen ninety two. And something's Good changed since you. then. Yeah, something's changed since then. A little bit. Yeah, I no longer live in Rochester. <laughs> no, it's not true. I'm, I'm just no longer funny. You live in Swilberg now. Exactly. I'm a, I'm a Swilberger. <laughs> no, for me, I so when I when I transitioned, I gave up stand-up comedy for a number of reasons. The most important being that I was I I, I was becoming a single parent, and I was a single parent for most of my my younger kids' lives. And so I did not want to be out and I did not want to do, I wanted to spend as much time with them as I could. And so I left doing stand-up comedy. And then when I transitioned, um, my youngest daughter was, uh, a, a junior in high school and was pretty self-directed and I could, you know, and so I thought I probably got some new material here and I started doing stand-up again and 
I then realized that I was sacrificing truth for funny. And I did not want to, I did not want to make myself a punchline. And so that's why I, I do stand up comedy every once in a while. I, I have, you know, I have got probably like 15 minutes that I could do if, if I was offered money. Um, I, I, I can do that. And I have found, and I, and I talk about a whole bunch of different things. I, sometimes I talk about being transgender. Sometimes I talk about being a parent. Uh, and I get far more, a, a far more, positive reception to being transgender than I do be like positive reactions than they are to the idea of me being a father. Hmm. Uh, and unless of course I soften them up, hmm. uh, which is what I do with my shows. I have to, this is what I use comedy for in my shows is I basically front load a lot of comedy in my, in my storytelling because I just am aware that I need to soften up the audience so that they will, be able to hear what I'm going to tell them. And so that's, that's a really great way for me to do this. And I, and I think, you know, with my comedy, one of the things that I do is I don't, other than like that quick intro of saying I am transgender is I think I make fun more of the people, like the questions they ask me, the stuff they say to me. And I make that the joke mm -hmm. and kind of point out like, no, you shouldn't be asking me about my body parts. No, you shouldn't be asking me how long have I known stuff. You know, it's, it's like, okay, some of this, the ridiculousness that we get as transgender people, because a lot of times it's, you know, I just had somebody ask me recently, well, you have this girlfriend, Amy, what is she? I'm like human. Yeah. <laughs> you know, really what the question is, is, is she transgender? You know, and that was quickly followed up with, oh, how do you two have sex? I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Mm. And so I think, you know, we can use we can use it to educate, but we shouldn't be the butt of the joke. And that's, you know, really long-term where it comes down to. But, you know, we're really here. But you kind of I, turned the table yeah, I was gonna, on that. I was about to say the same thing. I, had a question. I was going to ask you another question, and then I thought, this, this, I'm not hosting no, no, this. No, 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 no. no. But <laughs> so Megan, Megan's an, an experienced interviewer. So yes. one more one more from Megan, and then we'll we'll, 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 we'll move the on to something back. else. Yes. Okay. Oh, my, my next question was, well, how do you – I'm sure there are people who are just genuinely – they're not, it's not malicious. The questions are not malicious or meant to make you feel bad. They just come from a place of ignorance, mm -hmm. but it's like a, a, you know, I don't know, maybe it's a generational thing. I'm not sure. I don't want to say yeah. one thing about a particular group of people, but what if it's, you know, this sweet person who just really wants to understand and they ask the question in a way that could be deemed offensive. Yeah. That, there's a, there's a lot of questions that are like that. And one of the things that I do when I do my shows afterwards is I do a talk back session. And they're, and they're, and they're always, and I enjoy that because it's a chance to riff, quite frankly, among other things. But one of the things I do about 10 or 15 minutes into it is I ask the audience, um, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and I want you to look only at me. And so with your eyes closed, if you wish that somebody else would ask this question, have you had the surgery yet? Open your eyes. And there's always at least three people whose eyes open up. And so I talk about that way. And then I, I bring it in about the fact, just about this, this thing that we do, you know, because we're transgender does not mean that you could get, get to go to school on us. You know, I, I, that, that feels kind of weird for me to say, because I kind of use my shows as educational, 
Uh, but I'm a, I'm I'm an anomaly. Uh, Amy is an anomaly for for doing this. People who get up in front, it's it's okay for us to say things. It's okay for us to talk about ourselves. It's not okay for you to assume things. I, I had one. I had a gay man one time come up to me and say, "You're very masculine. Why don't you just be a gay man? You'll have a lot more sex." Yeah, the, yeah. So that's you know those are the sorts of things that we get uh, that are just like we don't know. How, what the hell do you answer? How do you, how do you respond to that? Mm -hmm. You know, and that's, and that for me is a balancing act because, you know, if you look at the research on, I think Pew has done some good research on this. Like, do you know a gay person? Like 90 some percent of the population knows a gay person and that, and them knowing somebody who's gay has really helped with the acceptance of, you know, the gay population in our country, especially as related to marriage equality. So, but then if you flip that question over and say, do you know a transgender person? That number is like 20 something percent. It just, it's, it just sinks fast. So it's some obligate, you know, I feel some obligation to answer those questions. Um, most everybody who's ever asked me has meant sincerely, but you know, at some point you do get tired of it and, you know, and you, you, and every once in a while, you know, you just get kind of short and you're like, no, you can't ask me that. Mm -hmm. But it's, but most of the time I answer and I try to be polite and also understand, you know, I'm getting to the point now where people start asking me questions. I'm like, you know, I have a podcast and episode one is a really good place to start because I That's spent great. like an hour on this. And so, but at the same time, you know, you want to be nice to people and I think most no, people... Are, you want to be nice to people. I do want to be nice to people. I think most people are going to come from a good spot. And I mean, you know what? You know, when somebody asks you, though, like, what What are you? I'm human. Mm -hmm. You know, or what's your girlfriend? She's human. She's, you know, it, it, these questions are stuff that... Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, you're digging into private stuff where, you know, if I asked my friend, you know, how do you have sex with your wife? He would be like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. You Absolutely. Know, but yet, because I'm trans, it's okay for that question to be asked of me. It's like, no, nah, we're not going to go there. And the, the answer I ended up turning around to him was, and I gave him, you know, the answer. It's like, wh it, why, do, why do I need to label this for you? What happens in our relationship is private between my girlfriend and I. What happens in your relationship with your wife is private between you two. He's like, you know what, Amy? That is the best answer you could have gave me. Thank you very much. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Now back to the interview with now Megan. Back to, Megan, <laughs> Megan, <laughs> Megan Matt. Yes. No, this one. is great. This, I know exactly how I'm going to write this um, intro or our little or thing for Apple Podcasts and whatever. It's going to be two interviews in one. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so you do both short and long form improv. Uh, is there a difference between the two? There, yes, there's a difference. I do mostly long form improv. Um, short form is what you see in whose line is it anyway. So more gamey type things, yeah. more jokey, sometimes the use of props, shorter scenes. So whose line is in it? Is it anyway is the best example I can give. And they're, they're brilliant people on that show. They're wonderful. Long form is more based on relationship work and connections that you make and emotional situations. I, I like that more just personally, because I like exploring how those things can change within two minutes to an hour, whatever it is, your show that you're doing. And the majority of my training has been in long form. So I gravitate toward that. 
So you, when you, is it there, is it a, a scene? Cause I've, I've not really ever, I've heard of it. It's, it's, it's like these things where I've heard of long form. I've mm. never actually experienced it. Tell me, what's it like? <laughs> have you ever done the, have you ever had the long form operation? That's, <laughs> I'm doing <laughs> yeah, the same thing. People strange. are asking me. Yeah. It's, it's, what is, is do you have like come with a, with a theme at the beginning? Do you, do you ask for the theme or do you have your own? It all really depends. So there are different forms within long form. The most popular is what's called the Herald. And that was created in Chicago by a, an improviser named Del Close. And you start with a suggestion from the audience. You do an opening, which can be weird and trippy or organic, or maybe it's a monologue. It's something where you're trying to gather a lot of themes to do the rest of your scene work. And then it turns into... I guess the best example I can give is an episode of Seinfeld where there's one storyline and then another storyline and a third storyline. You see three different versions of that. And in the end, they all try to connect in some way. So it's a structure. And when I teach it, I give my students an outline. I try to draw it on a paper for them so they can learn, you know, opening scene 1A, scene 2A, scene 3A. And then there's a game that you play where you develop themes more. It's a little more loose. And then you see version two. So, um, 2A, 2B, 2C, another game, and then the third beat is crazy, anything can happen. Yeah. So you'll see that a lot. And audiences that don't know the Herald, if I if I were to go to an improv show and I saw the opening and then the first couple of scenes, I'd think, oh, that's a Herald. I know what they're doing. But audiences who aren't familiar with that will just see the improvisers making different connections and characters coming back and characters heightening certain things in different ways. And often they'll say, well, that's so cool. How did they know to do that? So it's relatable in a way that you don't have to understand the structure. Wow. And there are different forms. There's something called an Armando. There's lots of different things. And Groups make up their own forms. That's really cool. So you talk about teaching a bunch of times. Tell us where you teach and besides being the adjunct professor at, at university. Do I have to enroll at the U of R to, to, <laughs> to be instructed by you, Professor Mack? <laughs> you do not, Penny. Um, that was a really, that was an awesome opportunity. And I want to thank Nigel for that at U of R. That was great. Um, I also teach at the Rochester Brainery, which is where Amy has taken classes at Writers and Books, at the Focus Theater, which everybody should check out if they can. Focus um, is an amazing little theater. It is. They have free improv jams on Tuesdays if you yep. want to just come and try. I like that on toast. <laughs> it's great. They also have classes based on levels. So if you've never tried it before, you start with level one. Um, I teach a sketch class there on the on the rare occasion. I think we're going to try to do a new one in the new year. I do corporate gigs. So if your company's interested in having some kind of team bonding exercise, an improv workshop is a fun way to do that. But I don't know. I'm around. Yeah. So that's that. That goes to uh, improv outside of performances. So that's and you and you've touched on this a couple of times. How it is a transformative, which is why you're on Transformation Thursday. A trans I filled out the form. I just want you to know I filled out your form that I was told to do. Yeah. Tried I, to use the language that I thought I was supposed to use. So. No, it's actually no, it's perfect. It actually, yeah, <laughs> and, and we're so grateful for I that. Did my homework. So, Megan, one. What can I? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry, him. Just so oh, you've, you've mentioned this on a couple episodes now, but one good Conan story. Oh boy! All right, I'll <laughs> you, tell you. we can cut it if you need to. No, I'll tell you. I I'll give you a choice. I can okay. tell you. I can tell you a Conan story. I can tell you a very high-profile celebrity story. I will not name the name of this person though, because I I don't want to. I, I don't want that one because then I will spend the rest of my night <laughs> trying to figure out who it is, and you'll be getting texts. Was it was it Jerry Seinfeld? <laughs> was it Dennis Leary? You know, so so was it Elaine Boozler? <laughs> so I think I think that means uh, Conan. Yeah. Okay, so the Conan story is, 
I, I was an intern on the show in 2006, the summer of 2006. It was very fun. The writers are wonderful people. And most of the interns wanted a picture with Conan by the end of the summer. And they would, you know, every time he would walk down the hall, be like, oh my gosh, Conan. Well, as I recall, and again, this is a long time ago, but as I recall, one of the interns followed Conan into the bathroom <laughs> and Conan was standing at the urinal and this intern said, hi, Conan, I'm insert name here and stuck out his hand. And Conan was <laughs> like, that's it. I'm done. I don't want to talk to the interns anymore. I, and I understand why. I mean, why would you do that? Mm -hmm. I, I never understood that. So from that point on, we were instructed just, you know, stay in your little intern space and and uh, let Conan be Conan. <laughs> so. I thought you were going to say he took his hands off and just turned around, but... <laughs> I did. I did bring the the desired task among the interns was to bring him his coffee, and and at that point you had to leave it on a stool outside the door and knock on the door, and then and you know, run away, run. <laughs> but wow. But uh, I don't know. It was a good experience. Yeah, but, but the, the great experience. Now, the thing that gets me most about that story is that you think two thousand and six is a long time ago. <laughs> you know, for me that's that's barely a blip on my life. Well, I just got done teaching you of our students who are nineteen, so oh, I'm feeling a little. Yeah, well, I, yeah, no, I'm 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 so old that I remember when Party Like It's nineteen ninety nine was uh, was a was a was cautionary rather than nostalgic. So, <laughs> well, college freshmen were born in this millennia. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I, that that is a yeah. that is an amazing thing. And this I'm parents, and I'm a parent to one of them. Yeah, that this time thing is, you know, it just keeps on one moment keeps fast following another. And speaking of which, we're just about out of time oh, here. Gee. I yeah. think so. It's been a whole lot of fun talking with you, Megan, without the without the old ball and chain yeah. of Evan yeah, Dawson. Yeah, no baggage that I Yeah, around. exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, so no, thank you great. so much for coming back and talking about improv. And uh, you're on all the social medias. If people want to, like, get in touch with you and find out, then go to the Brainery website. Yeah, the Brainery website, just rochesterbrainery.com. You can search for theater and improv classes. I'm on Twitter the most at mmacmedia. And, uh, yeah, you can find me, get in touch with Penny or Amy. Come to class, have fun. Yeah, right. I highly suggest come to class, have fun. Yeah, thank you very much, Megan. Thank you so much. And we'll be back to wrap this up in just a minute. This is Transformation Thursday. If you'd like to support Transformation Thursday, you can do so in the following ways. On Facebook, like the Transformation Thursday podcast. To support us financially, you can do so by going to our Patreon page by typing www.transformationthursday.com into your browser of choice. On Spotify, Google Podcasts, and or Apple Podcasts, please subscribe to Transformation Thursday. And on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star rating and write us a short review. It's free, and it really helps to get Transformation Thursday out to a broader audience. Finally, Transformation Thursday is copyrighted material, all rights reserved, 2019. Welcome back to Transformation Thursday. This is our wrap it up. What have we learned period? And one thing I've learned about Megan is that she won't leave. I'm she, still here. She's still yeah, here. No, she's unbelievable. I live here now. Yeah. <laughs> this is my home. You're, you're like my new best. You're like, you're going to follow me home from the movies. That was going to happen. I was here? just looking on the sign out sheet. that said sign out time. Never. Never. <laughs> I will stay here she, forever. She will be the ghost of Wayo. Yeah, <laughs> Wayo. So I've I've learned that improv is a is an amazing tool that you can use in your life in a lot of different ways. It's it's very freeing. It's very liberating. You've mentioned that a couple of times. And it sounds like it worked well for you in your life. It really has. I think prior to improv, sitting just sitting here talking with you, knowing that I'm being recorded, would be very intimidating. And I think 
I approach things like this in a very different way that you live in the moment. I'm having a great time talking to you and I'm just going to, I'm going to live in that moment and, and be cool with it. So what have you learned from this hour? Well, I, I've learned a lot from the questions that I've asked you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ow. I believe that's called damning with faint praise, but continue on. <laughs> no, it's true, though. And I, when you've come on Connections, I always learn something from you. And when you do scene work and improv, I always learn something from you. And I think the takeaway from, for me, for any situation that involves improv, is that everybody is approaching it in such a genuine way, as long as they're not trying to be funny. I think we had a, a lot of really funny moments on on this podcast, and we weren't trying to be funny. It just came as a part of the natural conversation. Yeah. And Amy? You know, what I learned is, and I think I've already known this, but, you know, improv for me mm-hmm. has really helped me to, mm-hmm. oh, you're going to have to do some. Yeah, yeah, I know. We'll continue on. Yeah. 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 But you've seen this as well with when we find out, when we find our true selves, when I first started coming to improv as me, me, me. that we, we me, me, yeah, nothing worked for me. Yeah, and, continue on, and continue on. When we find that confidence, then being funny happens. Then being able to get up and do stand up happens. Having comp, it's funny because I always thought about doing these things before I started my transition, but I never did. And finding that confidence through improv kind of, you know was part of those chain of events for me that helped me become who I am today. So, and, and I've said this before and I'll continue to say it. Megan has a special place in my heart just for being there for me when I needed her to be there for me. And we were just getting to know each other. She's just a wonderful person. So likewise. Thank you. Thank you. It's pretty interesting. My my mind is the same way. I've always wanted to be on stage. I've always wanted to perform. With Megan? Well, no, oh, no. Okay. She terrifies Ouch. me. She scares me. I don't. She's way much better than me. Oh, that is because you way know, not, way much better way than much me. Better. Well, yeah, that's just how I feel sometimes. But yeah, I, what's funny, or at least interesting for me, is that I've always wanted to be a performer. I've always wanted to to have my voice count for something. It wasn't until I transitioned mm-hmm. that I was that I've been able to do the things that I've I've wanted to do. And it's like the thing that that scared me the most was what I needed to do to be the person that I want to be and that can be improv as well it's it's one of those things you feel the fear and do it anyway follow the fear yeah absolutely that's a wonderful and I think we come back to this theme within our podcast that if you've listened to from day one is you know live your life for you and be you and unless I I can be a banana okay yeah and see (laughs) we've come full circle we have So, good night, Fanny. Good night. We'll see you next week on Transformation Thursday.